The following podcast is presented by Ensign Services, Inc., a company engaged in the business of providing contracted for administrative and back office type support services to post-acute healthcare clients. Ensign Services provides accounting, human resources, compliance, legal, risk management, information technology, training, construction support, and other such miscellaneous services to its clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References within the podcast to the company and its activities, as well as the use of the terms we, us, its, our, and similar terms used during the discussion are not meant to imply that Ensign Services, Inc. or the Ensign Group, Inc. has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated post-acute healthcare entities. Uh, well, it's it's good to see you again, Clay. It's been a while since we've yeah. been in been in here doing one of these. It's been a while. It's uh, good to be back in the room and get some normalcy back and going again. No, it is it definitely doing recording one of these podcasts. Definitely. And Connor, does normalcy. Connor's microphone work? Yeah, I think it's working this time. Say something, Connor. Be on the be on the podcast. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> good job, Connor. That was good. That was well done. That was really good. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump in. Yeah. Um, so Patrick Lencioni, I know, has a book titled "The Four Obsessions of an Extraordinary Executive." Uh, and I know we really like his books, and so we wanted to talk about some of the principles that he teaches in it. So maybe, Clayton, if you can get us started on this book and why you like it. Yeah, I might like his books. Do you? Uh, yeah, do no, you? I do. I really do. I, I think I like them because they're simple, but yeah. they're also uh, deep. And and they're they have very sort of clear kind of teaching lessons that yeah. you can apply relatively easily. Something that my simple mind could appreciate. And yeah, exactly. I, I, That's what I, was I, I think I'd I'd start to by saying, I kind of wish he'd change the title. I, I don't like the term executive. I, yeah. I don't, there's a lot of terms. Yeah. Somebody somebody asked me once. They're like, oh, are, are you in the uh, C-suite so of executives? And I and I I just I sort of you know feigned that I was vomiting that we don't use that <laughs> kind of language. But so let's just assume we're talking about you know leaders, right? Four obsessions of an extraordinary leader. Because um, again, executive feels authoritative, and and we like to think of leaders as as more inspirational, you yeah. know, that teach the why. So you know, all of that being said, I love the principles and, and that he's trying to help us to internalize. And and so let's start with this. Okay. And he starts with this in the book, and he says every successful organization, operation, or group has to be two things. Okay. They have to be smart. And they have to be healthy. Those those two things have to happen. They're both pieces are really important. But but the problem is, and, and I think it's even true within Ensign. Mm-hmm. Um, we spend with Ensign Services and and all of their affiliates. We spend a vast majority of our time trying to be smart. Right. right? What's our strategy? Are we making the right decisions? Are we doing the right things? And all of those things are incredibly important. In fact, Lencioni says this. He says, he says, but don't misunderstand me. Not for a second am I saying that issues like strategy, product innovation, and marketing are unimportant. They're indeed critical and deserve a great deal of mindfulness from any executive team. And then he says, but but this is the it's just these topics receive a wildly disproportionate amount of attention from well-meaning and intelligent executives hmm. who somehow cannot find the time and energy to focus on making their organizations healthy. Right. I mean, that's, that's true. We, yeah. we spend a vast majority of our time trying to figure out strategies and the what are we doing yeah, and becoming a healthy organization isn't given enough attention. 
and and it should be. He he says this as well. He says healthy organizations have a way of making themselves smarter. Mm-hmm. So if we'd spend more time on the health, the the smarts would would more effectively <laughs> right. come, right? And, and the other thing I'd say is that everyone in your organization really can be a catalyst for becoming a smarter organization. You you can think of people on your team that boy, if we didn't have them, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have this capability mm-hmm. and and that's true. But becoming healthy has to start with you as a leader. And again, every anyone can be a leader, right? A, authority tells you what to do, a leader tells you why you do it. Right. Anybody can be a leader. But but it really to become healthy, you can't delegate that to, to anyone else. So let me say that just another way. The, the health of your organization or operation or whatever group you're a part of will be determined by you as the leader. And it can become a painful reflection of you. I, I, I say that because it's it's been true with me in my past. I remember thinking, but the culture is wrong, and but this isn't what I'm in. I'm so fun, and I'm so nice, and why is this backbiting happening? Right. But I came to the painful realization that it really was a reflection of me and the lack of health hmm. that I was promoting in that organization. Yeah, I that that's I can I can relate to that uh, painful <laughs> reflection. Yeah, so it was certainly in my in my experience. We I, think I that we're victims well. yeah. to the and to the health, but we're really we're, we're, we're responsible for we it. are responsible for it. Uh, and so I, I agree. I do think that's true. Um, I also think though that sometimes leaders feel like they're victim to the health of their organization. Yeah. Um, you know that the leaders doing all they can, but if the, they the people would around just them just listen just, to me, would, right? If they would yeah. only listen to the wise words you're you're throwing out there. Yeah. So it is interesting to realize that if the health health of my team is poor, I really do need to look inward and figure out what yeah, I and, change. Yeah, and some people think that's a stressful thought, like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it's all riding on me. Right. But but think about it uh, on the other side of that same coin. It is all riding on you. It is affected by you. But it's such an empowering thought. That means you can change it. If it's all riding on you, that means there's adjustments you can make that will change the health of the organization. Yeah, I, 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 that's uh, let's okay. I, I, I think that was a great way to wrap yeah. up that section. And um, right. so let's just jump into the four obsessions and talk about why each one's so important. Um, the first obsession seems to line up with Jim Collins and Good to Great's teaching yeah. of, of first who, then what. Uh, Lencioni says the first obsession needs to be building and maintaining a cohesive leadership team. So let's talk about that one first. Yeah, so we all agree with that, right? Yeah. First who, then what, and and get the right people in the right seats on the bus and right. the wrong people off the bus, and, and that's the first job of a leader. I mean, uh, Jim Collins stresses that extensively, and, and that's what Lencioni is stressing here. Start by getting the right team. Okay, duh, right? <laughs> but, but, but think about what you do as a leader to truly make sure that happens, and do you do enough? Right. Now, Lencioni writes a lot of his books in what he calls fables, right? It's a fictitious story of of a person that that he kind of tells the story and he teaches principles along the way. Mm -hmm. So at one point in this fable, the the leader in the story asks himself the question, what is the one thing that I do that really matters to this organization? And before I say what his answer was, I mean, if you're listening, think about that. What, What is the one thing that I do that truly adds to this team and and that you know I really can't outsource. Yeah. And and one of his answers was, well, I've got to be the gatekeeper. I've got to make sure that mm. every new employee 
is and lives the culture, right? So, so ask yourself that as a leader. How, how seriously do you take the hiring process and really dig in for culture, or are you looking for smarts? Are you looking for <laughs> right. capability? Well, you're the perfect person, but you don't have enough experience, so you don't check off that box. And, and I, you know, one, once we have that person on the team, do we create a family environment where there's really good, healthy conflict, right? I mean, I, I know I talk about that way too much, but, but <laughs> where nobody, too much. Right, where nobody concept, holds yeah. back because you know we sit in meetings and people are not speaking up. They're not saying things. And, and what are you doing to create that environment? Are you clear as a leader once people are on board uh, with, with expectations um, you know, just just one example. I, I know one leader that is very, very clear. He says, in this facility, we talk to each other and not about each other. Mm. And he repeats that over and over again. And that way, people know when they find themselves talking about someone, they catch themselves and think, wait a second, I'm doing what he said, you know, we, <laughs> we shouldn't be doing, right. right? Right. And so are we clear on our expectations and, and, and do we do we stress those? And and for me, I feel like I know I have the right team if it's a trusting team. Hmm. And and I think sometimes I've I've always just hoped for a trusting team, but but you need to create a trusting team. You need to extend trust. Uh, Lencioni says that the essence of a cohesive leadership team is trust. And and a different Gallup study says the number one question, this is really interesting to me, the number one question that will determine how loyal and dedicated your employees are. Okay. Okay. So every leader, yeah, right. I haven't told you the question yet. I've got the, <laughs> the, the number one question that will determine this. If you have high turnover, the question, the answer to this question is going to be poor. If you have low, t- low turnover, it's probably going to be strong. Right. And it's this, do I trust my boss? Yes, it's such an interesting concept because when, when reading through and, and preparing for this, I that's not something I was expecting to be the answer. But I mean, if you think about it, right. that I, makes so much absolutely. sense, right? Like, do this isn't about, you know, crazy trust falls or anything like that. It's, <laughs> do I think my boss really cares about me? Right. Do I think he, do I think uh, he is as concerned about my welfare as he or she is of their own? Yeah, and and it really seems like when trust is there, that just everything seems to go a, a lot smoother. Yeah, you don't have to worry so much about how I said this and what are they going <laughs> right. to think. You just yeah. And I know that we've got a, a podcast uh, on that. Yeah, the shameless plug for the speed of trust, plug. and the, and there's the book by Stephen M. R. Covey <laughs> called "The Speed of Trust," which the podcast is based on. Look, cohesive trusting teams. And, and if you can picture these teams, these teams that aren't playing these games, there's not passive aggressiveness, there's, they make decisions faster mm-hmm. and they have better buy-in. When you, when you have a, a strong trusting team, your meetings become more passionate, they become more intense, and your meetings are even more exhausting. Right. If you can, mm-hmm. if you you can picture the difference. You've yeah. been in meetings that are like, okay, we're having the meeting because we're supposed to have the meeting, and you've had meetings where you're like, man. Like I'm tired and, and, and this is, but but they're, but they're never boring. If your meetings are boring, (laughs) you've got to, you've got to fix your team. You've got to fix the trust that's on on your team. Uh, You, you, you know, you might think it doesn't have to do with trust, but it does. When, when you have a cohesive team, there's much more peer accountability, 
right? It's not just coming from a title at the in the triangle, and mm-hmm. I don't know why mm-hmm. I'm using my hands so much when there's <laughs> it's, no it's video camera in here, right? It. Yeah, no, but but <laughs> but I mean, if we think that our our accountability just comes from a person that is above us. Mm-hmm then you don't have peer accountability, right? Right. When you have a cohesive team, people in the meetings are in the meeting. Right. They're not on their phones. They're not on their computers. (laughs) If people are on their phones and on their computers in your meetings, you do not have a cohesive team. Yeah. Okay? If you have a cohesive team, they fight. They speak up, Mm -hmm. right? Healthy conflict is the passionate pursuit of truth, void of ego. Mm -hmm. And they're willing to be, and and Lencioni puts it this way, HR, don't get mad at me. Uh, He says they're willing to be naked with each other, right? I'm not speaking literally, obviously, right? I'm with you. But they're willing to be naked with each other, genuine, authentic. I actually love this concept. Um, My dad and and, and Christopher has a lot of these things. I I don't only because I can't afford them, but but a lot of like unique artifacts Uh, in their homes, right? right. My my dad has like a, he has a vase from like, I don't know how many thousands years BC (laughs) and I don't know how they authenticate that, but he's like, I've got a certificate, but... (laughs) And, and it's all messed up and it costs thousands and thousands of dollars. I have no idea how right. much. And I joked with him and I said, hey, dad, I can get you a nice new vase from Target for like $15. And it's way nicer than that one. And, and so obviously I'm joking, but the, the concept behind, um, behind his vase mm-hmm. is something called wabi-sabi. I don't know if you've ever heard I'm that not, term. No, I haven't. Wabi-sabi means authenticity over perfection. Okay. Oh, and if you've ever yeah. seen like an yeah, artifact- 100%. There's there's that that wabi sabi that it, it's you it's dirty it's yeah. it's cracked but it's unique but, and you can tell I that can his appreciate character. that and as, as a musician that's one of the reasons I really like live music yeah. instead of recorded music today recorded, recorded music, music can is, sound a lot better it's, it's pristine it's perfect right but it lacks often the authenticity that you get when that's you're exactly musicians right. play together live yet as leaders and as teammates. We are afraid to practice wabi-sabi. We are afraid to Hmm. be authentic with each other. We're afraid to tell each other when we're scared, when we've messed up, uh, if if we did something wrong, because we feel like it diminishes ourselves. And wabi-sabi tells me that authenticity will always be valued more highly than perfection. perfection. Yeah, that's a great analogy. And if you have that wabi-sabi, you can be a cohesive team because you just, you're not playing that guessing game. Right with each other, right? So, uh, you know, I'd add there, cohesive teams, they they take the time to know each other's personal histories. And 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 I'll say this, they they don't, you know, if you have teams that are constantly, oh, we set the meeting schedule, and they, they don't fail to honor the meeting schedule. If you have teams that are constantly not prioritizing the team, yeah. you don't have a cohesive team, right? So, so the question you need to ask yourself, I mean, I just described a lot of things, is building a cohesive team worth the effort? Because it does take effort. Yeah. Right? This is this doesn't just happen by luck. You've got to work for it. And obviously I, I believe that it is. No, so so help me then do a self-assessment as to whether or not my team is cohesive. Um what what questions should I be? Yeah, I mean, we sort of talked about some of these right. questions, but but um uh are your meetings compelling? Right. If your meetings are boring and not compelling. No, no, you don't have a cohesive team. You don't have people speaking up, fighting for the right thing to do. Do your members engage in unguarded debate? Yeah. And I, honestly, 
I'm guarded in my debates, right? It's I preach this all the a, time. A guarded debate, it really does. And and people think I love debate. I I I, <laughs> I do. I love it as a tool, but I'm guarded because I also don't want to hurt feelings mm-hmm. or offend and. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but if you don't have that unguarded debate, you don't have a cohesive team. Do do team members apologize for their failures, but without being a victim? Not not the apology. Well, I guess I'll just go figure out what I'm doing wrong because obviously it's all my fault <laughs> right. or anything like that. Right. No, I mean, do they say, "Hey, guys, I know I need to be better at this, and and I know I need to um, fix this about myself." When people are willing to do that, teams yeah. rally around yeah. each other, That's right? Very true. Do people, this one kills me too, do people really understand each other or are they just speaking to be understood? Yeah, that, that's, that one kills me too. I'm, I'm you know, I've, I've been accused of a lot of things and, and, and things that I need to fix in my life. And I speak a lot and I'm, I'm, right. I'm, uh, I'm, I can be dominant in meetings and that means I'm just speaking to be understood. Right. But one of the seven habits that Stephen Covey always talks about is, is, you know, seek first to understand then to be understood. And if you have a cohesive team, mm. you have people seeking, tell me more about that. Why right, do you think right. this and help me understand your perspective? Um, and, and, uh, uh, I'd also throw, and we sort of talked about this a little bit, how much gossip occurs in your teams? How much how much talking about each other happens versus talking to each other? Yeah. And if, if there's a lot of talking about, then you've got an issue. Right. If people are direct and they don't do that, but they're really good at talking to each other, then that's a sign of a cohesive team. And I, I realized as... as as well as you were gesticulating that I do a lot of nodding as well, yeah, which is, doesn't play right. well on audio. We need audio. to get a camera in these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, first two, uh, then what? Get the right people and the right seats on the bus. Yeah. Uh, you know, if we fail here, then everything else we talk about is that's, that's much the first impactful. Point. So get we, the right team. have to start there. Yeah. So now let's jump into the second obsession of a great leader. And I, I know we'll spend uh, the most time on the first two. Yeah. Uh, and we just spend a good time on building and maintaining a, ho- a cohesive team. Yeah. So the second one is create organizational clarity. Yeah. So talk to us about, about that and why it is so important. Yeah, I think back... Um, you know, and especially in the in the recent passing of my father, mm-hmm. I, I've thought a lot back on on this that he kind of has called his his crowning achievement, and and uh, how much time they spent in the early days before a single dollar was earned, how much energy was expended, how much debate occurred, and and Christopher can obviously speak more to this as I I wasn't there in the very beginning, making sure they knew why. They were doing this hmm. right before before anything. And, and, and how are we going to behave? So the why? Well, we're going we're going to set up an organization that through moments of truth is going to bring dignity to this industry. This is why we exist. How are we going to behave? Well, we're going to make sure we hold each other accountable and that yeah. we treat that the, the customer is going to be second in priorities and that we're going to take intelligent risks and and all of those things. And, and, you know, here's the thing. Some leaders, some in our own organization, um, largely in other organizations, they think, okay, we're going to establish the culture. So what do they do? We need a poster. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I'm talking about? And we we, we need yeah, we need some a really flowery <laughs> mission statement. Right. It's and we cool. need to look cool. But that's that's a that's a marketing plan, right? We we that's not internal. 
and and they become just fancy words. I mean, I've had I've had discussions here, and people will say, "Well, this is what our mission is in our department," and I'd say that sounded really neat. I still don't know why you exist. Right. Like I maybe maybe I'm right. just dumb, right. but I didn't understand, and I don't know that you know what you're saying here. What does it mean? What does this word mean? What does this adjective mean? And right. And whereas in in what we've established, I know what digni- dignifying means. Yeah. I know, I know the, what a what moments of truth piece is of that. I need to be proactively looking for great things happening. So that's how we're going to dignify, and it just needs to be clear, right? It's it's not a it's not a marketing campaign, but but you know it, that that's not how organizational. I guess what I'm saying in a very long way is organizational clarity won't be accomplished through cute posters or yeah, slogans. Which makes I'm sense. not saying you can't have those. I'm not saying those are bad things. Those are just periphery, right? That's right. an ad campaign. Right. It needs to be discussed constantly. Cons- until I'm going to say this phrase because I think this is how I feel. Until you feel like you're being annoying. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I mean, people right. mock me, right? right? Okay, Clay, green and clean, right? <laughs> or okay, Clay. I get that I teach, but, it, but until I see those things being lived. Right, that I keep talking about it. Uh, I'm going to no, annoy that's, you. That's great. No, I'll that's, shut up about these things when, when, when we start doing them. That's then, awesome. then, if we're having a hard time making a decision, mm-hmm. if you've truly established that mm-hmm. and you know why you exist and how you're going to get there and, and, and how you're going to behave and, and et cetera, Anytime you're having a hard time making a decision, you can go and refer to those with and, and get more clarity. Because when you're clear on what motivates yeah. you, I mean, it's the Rite Aid yeah. story that I've told. They said, we're going to maximize our health per customer. They sold $2 billion a year in cigarettes. <laughs> Do we stop selling right. cigarettes? They right. went back to their why. And they said, we have to. That's not improving the, the, the health. Of we our, have to, that's, right. Yeah, I mean, crazy. that's something that they have to do. And I, I you know, we, we went through a discussion uh, recently and, and we're talking about different things and what to do in our labor shortage. And, and you know, we're, a lot of markets talk about uh, uh, do, we, do we start our own agency? Right. And, and I don't know. Maybe we should. Maybe we shouldn't. But the question I have to put that up against is, how will that help us dignify right. long-term care? A- any decision that we're making, I have to put it up against that. And if I know why I exist, decisions become much easier, yeah, right? I-, I can picture that. And and uh, look, I, I think a lot of us think we do this well, myself included, and I think we're wrong, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. In, in identifying, uh, look, one, one of the Moneyball, uh, those of you that have been a part of my Moneyball trainings, but it's the questions that the Gallup organization has come up and they've said these answers most most tightly align with whether or not your employees is gonna be, are going to be engaged. And one of them is, our mission makes me feel like my job is important. Hmm. And if we're not clear on what our mission is, on what your mission is in your department, in your facility, in your operation, in your transportation company, if everybody in that operation is not crystal clear on what the mission is, then they're not going to be as engaged. And I I think that question is largely why I'm here. I know why we exist and I want to be a part of it. Yeah, is that 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 was a great sentence, sir. And I, I feel the same way. Um, that what motivates me on a daily basis is yeah. I know why we exist and why I'm why I'm here for that. There's so many things about the industry that are so annoying, and yet 
I love that we're going to, we're trying to, to fix yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah. So if I'm a leader, then how do I really know if I've done a good job establishing organizational clarity? Yeah. So here's questions. These questions come from his book, The Advantage, but he, he sort of reiterates them here in this book. Um, ask people on your teams these questions that I'm about to ask you. Okay. And see how consistent their answers are. See how many of them look at you dumbfoundedly, like, I don't even know what the heck you're talking about. Or do this <laughs> exercise with your teams. And, I, and this is not a, you know, this is not a even a one-day discussion. Like, I've done this with teams, and it's a battle trying to figure out why we exist. So, okay. so question number one you have to ask, why do we exist? Okay. Okay. It, ask ask your teams, ask your facilities, why do we exist? Why are we here? The why never changes, Lencioni says. He says that's something that, you know, we exist to dignify post-acute care. Right. This is why we, we were created. Should we start an agency? Well, does that line up Dignified with, with long-term dignifying care. long-term care? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But we need to be clear on why we exist. And we've heard... Simon Sinek and so many others saying, hey, when you know your why, you know, everything else changes. And so we need to focus on that. Okay, number two. Okay, so now we know why we exist. How are we going to behave? Okay. So with Ensign Services, I know that it was core values. Right. We're going to behave with accountability. We're going to behave as owners. We're going to behave as intelligent risk takers. We're going to be passionate about learning. We're going to, you know, be customer second. It's, It's... Spending that time saying, this is how we're going to hold each other accountable. Okay. Now, next question. So what do we do? Like, what, what <laughs> like, is it what that we, we do? do right? right. I mean, th- this isn't a flowery statement of we will march into the jaws of, you know, this, <laughs> like, that's not like, that. It's like, what do we like do? Literally, what do we do? And this might change, you know, but it shouldn't change frequently, but it might change from time to time. I think one example, we provide long-term care. Well, now we also provide non-medical transportation services right, right. or x-ray services, right? I mean, every once in a while, our what is changing, but it's not frequent. It's not, frequent, it's yeah. not like we're just exploding out and doing a bunch of different things very conscientiously. Okay. Next question. Okay. How do we know if we succeeded? Yeah. That's, right? Yeah. yeah go, go ask one of your CNAs. Hey, how do you know if you're doing a good job? Yeah. What's your... Green and clean. Right. Mock me all you want. Do your <laughs> CNAs you know what your green I, and clean I, is? I do your green and do clean. do your support techs know what their green and clean is? Right. Do we know? Do we know how we're succeeding and and what our strategy is going to be? And this this will be the decision or the lens through which decisions are evaluated. Right. Yeah. My my thing when I ran facilities, my strategy was I was going to become the employer of choice. Whether I succeeded or failed, that was what I was going to push for. I wanted to be the employer of choice. That and another facility might have a different strategy mm, right. on getting there. Right. Right. We're going to be the solution to the community of, you know, taking the patients that nobody else will take, or whatever your strategy is. Do people know it? Mm. Right. I mean, I was constantly talking about my teams. How do we become the best place in this community to work? They knew that was our strategy, strategy, right? Okay. Now, here a couple more questions. Next one. What is most important right now? I love that. That's a great one. I mean, this is kind of the rally cry question. If if you're asking me this question for um, Ensign Affiliates right now, I'm saying we've got to become customer second. 
We Our rallying cry right now needs to be employee engagement. Right. We've got to figure out how to rid ourselves of agency and, and engage our employees and stop turnover and attract the best of the best. We've got to become obsessed with customer second. Right. In the past it was we've had a Midwest rallying cry. We've had a we've had a census growth rallying cry. Right. What is most important right now? Do our people know that? Maybe you know it as yeah. a leader. Yeah. Do yeah. your people know? It does not doing a lot of good if it's just me. Yeah. Me. Yeah. And then finally, okay, so we've got all those things. Why we exist, how we're going to behave, what do we do? How are we going to succeed? What is most important right now? The final question is who needs to do what <laughs> right which makes also makes what sense what role does right. it is everybody clear in their roles i know one facility right. that that um they they know their receptionist knows how important of a gatekeeper they are mm -hmm. in um potential employees that come in hmm. and that hmm. receptionist rejects 25% of their applicants wow because that receptionist says hey if somebody gets hired and they're the wrong person that's on me and they know that's their role that's awesome and and you know CNAs that understand hey I'm a problem solver for these residents mm -hmm. if there's an issue my handcuffs are taken off I can solve their problems I so who must do what and and you need to take time as a leader to clarify what what everyone else is is doing look I've done this exercise with my teams I've done this as a kind of a, a consultant with other teams and it's it's turns out to be more than a one day meeting. This I would this imagine. needs to be yeah. debated and fought. And well, I don't think that's right. I think you're saying our what in our why, and 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 you need to have this discussion. And it needs to be crystal clear with your teams. Yeah. So the right teams, and then you need to know why you exist. Yeah, that right all makes a ton of sense. Uh, it, it really feels like this is such an important job um, to, to really communicate this to everyone with clarity. Yet, yeah. yet I also see often where we fail here as leaders. Uh, so so where, where do we go from here? Yeah. You know, so we've, we've only covered the first two obsessions. Yeah. So, again, getting the getting the right teams and then and then uh, becoming absolutely clear on direction. The third and fourth uh, aren't going to take as much time. You're, you're, you're more than halfway through this podcast, everyone. <laughs> so don't worry about it. Um, they're really reinforcements of the first two, but, but that being said, they're important and they need to be listed out separately. The third is that we over communicate that clarity, hmm. get the right teams, okay. establish clarity. Number three, over communicate clarity. I like that. I like the third. Right. One. The, the only way for people to embrace a message is if they hear it over a period of time in a variety of situations and from different people. It's so funny. I hear leaders often say, I told them that, but I said that. I've said this before, right? Where I sent them that email or I, I've already said that. I have to use that example. I've said that many times. Exactly. And that, but that's not enough. Great leaders, as Lencioni says, are CROs. They are chief okay. reminding officers. <laughs> Right. It has to be communicated so many times. I told you before that you almost have to be annoying. But mm -hmm. but the communicator, to use another phrase, they need to feel like they're beating a dead horse. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, Clay, you're going to do green and clean again. <laughs> I am. I am going to talk about green and clean because I think this manner of leadership. Oh, Clay's going to talk about ownership again. Yeah. 
I am. I, I, I want to see if you have any time after this podcast we, to schedule some one of my teams to do we, the green and clean. Just, we, just I haven't done it, it in so long. I kind of miss it. But but we've got to be we've got to be obsessive about teaching our history. I don't know how many times I've mm. talked about the history of our organization. Now again, for someone it might be the first time, right? For me, it's the millionth time. Right. And and sometimes that makes me say, oh, I'm going to stop talking about that, right? Because I'm annoying people. Lencioni says no. Keep beating that dead horse. You have to over-communicate that clarity. Why we exist. How do we behave? What are we going to do? How are we going to succeed? What's the most important thing right now? Who's doing what? We need to be obsessive about talking about these things. And again, this isn't a marketing campaign, right? Right. It has to be reality, not a slogan. We've made so much effort. Point number two, take so much effort. Right, for right? sure. Establishing clarity. If you've gone through all that effort... Don't fail on number three. We almost need to become cult-like, <laughs> right? No, and and I do. Then that's I I do like that was a great example there. Just talking about it does seem like so much effort is is in number two. That it's one of the reasons I said I like number three because seems like you're more than halfway. There. Well, we do number two, and we think well, okay, everybody should know it. It's on their own, but no, your job as a leader is to reinforce, reinforce this it. constantly. To the point, again, where you feel like you're beating a dead horse, you feel like you're being annoying, you feel like you're a leader of a cult, uh, you feel like you're getting people to drink the Kool-Aid. Right. I don't know what other phrases I need no, to use. No, those are good. Those are good. Those are, we those need are all, to over-communicate well that, that clarity. <laughs> That's well done. So, okay. So, it's building and maintaining a cohesive team, yeah. then establishing clarity, yes. followed by over-communicating that clarity. Yeah. So, I... I I, I see the fourth seems yeah. a lot like the third, so you yeah. need to differentiate a little bit for us. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Reinforcing clarity. Yeah. So over communicating clarity is okay. three. Reinforcing. You're like, are you just saying that <laughs> in another? I'm not. It's it's not a different word. So, so here here's the key on this one. The fourth is reinforcing organizational clarity through human systems. And what do I mean by that? So so. This means everything we do needs to point back to reinforcing that clarity, right? Culture isn't a poster or a slogan. You've heard me say that. Mm -hmm. Culture lives in a way that things get done. So let's ask some questions. Okay. How do you interview? Yeah. When, when, you, when you interview people, what are you looking for really, right? <laughs> right, right? Your culture, your true culture... Not your, not your Twinkie culture, right. if you go back to that podcast, not your fake, you know, fuzzy culture. What are you really looking for? I'm looking for somebody that knows how to hold their peers accountable. I'm looking for somebody that truly cares. Your culture will be, will be truly shown and reinforced in the questions you ask in an interview. And, and what are you looking for? And do you have multiple peer interviews, right? Do you care... Do you care about what the nurses think about the, who is hired or the housekeepers or and do you have mentors and and uh, do you do you significantly debate the candidates? Hmm. Right. That's going to show you what your culture is. Do you hire anyone um, that that. Yeah, or are you hiring for culture? Or, right. Or are you hiring a pulse with a degree? Right. Right. Or are you hi truly hiring for culture? That answer will tell you, will reinforce what you, okay, we only hire the best of the best. Oh, you're a nurse? Please, when can you start? <laughs> right? right? You've stated your culture on a slogan, right. but you did not reinforce it through your human systems. Yeah. Right? How you hold people accountable, that's going to reinforce. How do you reward people? 
Hmm. What performance are you rewarding? That's going to reinforce your culture. Uh, how do you part ways hmm. with partners, right? We have a whole separate podcast on that. That's gonna, Do you do it, do you just get rid of them and get them out of your hair? Or do you do it lovingly and do you really care about them and want them to? All of these things are going to reinforce your culture, how you hire, how you fire, how you develop, how you, how you, uh, you know, performance management, all of those things. It's not going to be your speeches. It's not you. I know, I know some of the strongest cultures that have leaders that are not good at speaking. (laughs) They're not good in front of a crowd, but that's not where they reinforce the culture. It's how they act. It's your human systems. So Again, reviewing this, get the right team together and work to make them cohesive. Okay. Establish clarity of why you exist and on how and what, right? Mm-hmm. Over-communicate that clarity, clarity to where you're beating a dead horse. You're annoying. You're, you're, you're <laughs> becoming a, a cult leader. And, and then reinforce that clarity by how you act in all of your systems and obsess over all of these things and and that's how you'll be successful. No, that, that was awesome, Clayton. Thank you. I think there's a lot of great, useful, actual tools in there to, to help realize a lot of these different lessons. Yeah. I mean, they're all simple things. It's just doing them. It, teaching this stuff is so much easier than doing no, it, right? It, yeah, no, it, for sure. And it is interesting when, when you really kind of think through all the leaders that you've interacted with and that you see and, and have worked with and maybe been a part of teams that, that they've led, you can really see a correlation between leaders that are obsessed with those things and their success rate. And their success rate. And I, I've told a lot of leaders, I said, I, I, I love watching you lead because you you lead um, how I teach. And it's so oh, much harder awesome. to do <laughs> what what you do than it is to do what I do. Yeah. Um, and, and so I'm always just grateful and in awe of those things. If we're going to, if we're going to fulfill with our mission of dignifying long-term care in the eyes of the world, we've got to, we've got to adapt the, adopt, excuse me, these obsessions. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Ryan. 